Turn in your Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I want to focus on one verse. Chapter 3, verse 13. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now there's a very real sense in which that verse could mean just as much as it does if you leave the word deacon out. For they that have used the office well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Our church has asked these men to serve as deacons in our church. The office of deacon in the New Testament is a deacon body. Somewhere through Baptist history, some got the idea that the deacons were a board and they called them the board of deacons, implying that they had some kind of special authority. The original deacons were not called to be authoritarian, they were called to be servants. And the very term diaconus means servant, just as the word pastor or minister means servant. And so we're all servants of the Lord God. And everyone has a place of service in a Baptist church. Not all of us serve in the same position. Brother Lloyd leads our music in such a beautiful way. The people that sing in the choir are the sweet singers of Israel, and what a blessing they are to us. And the young men's quartet, and I hate to call it the old men's quartet, both quartets are a blessing. We praise God for them and for the Silver Quartet, and for the Sounds of Praise Quartet, and all the solos and all these beautiful music, they all have a place of service. Every Sunday school teacher has an office of service. Every department director, every secretary, every staff member, every usher, all those who serve the Lord Christ. This verse could be said about them. They that have used the office of usher, the office of Sunday school superintendent, the office of Sunday school teacher, the office of department director, the office of a coordinator, the office of a staff member, the office of the minister, the office of the deacon, they that have used the office well, purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness which is in the faith of Christ Jesus. We're all Servants, just servants. And I think that's one thing that's made Glendale a great church. We've all recognized that we're just servants. There's no reason why any of us couldn't sweep a floor, clean, clean up some child's vomit, clean the restrooms, put lights up here where the lights belong, because we're servants. No one dare say, I didn't come to work, I came to play. The other night, fish fry, we had a a wonderful time and God blessed. And somebody told me later that 
somebody said, I didn't come to work, I came to play. Folks, we don't ever do that. Even the play is work. And we work and work, and when there's some time left over, we play. Because we all are servants of the Most High God. And they that have used the office well purchased themselves a good degree. Now, there are qualifications for service. If we want to be used by God and hear, hear the well done of God upon our hearts, then we need to meet those qualifications. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, he gives some qualifications for the person who would serve as a deacon. Those same qualifications are true of all of us. Listen to this. These are standards. <clears throat> These are goals. This is not meant to be a hammer over somebody's head. This is meant to be a goal toward which we're to work and serve. When God called me to preach, man, I was backward and shy and bashful, and I knew I needed to go on and train myself. I knew that. It would have been ridiculous for me to say, Lord, I can't do it because I'm not qualified. That's what I felt like saying because I wasn't. But the Lord whispered in my heart, you need to get qualified. You need to do whatever's necessary. You know what I did when I was in college? I washed dishes and waited on tables. And I learned to respect those people today who wash dishes and wait on tables. I did that to pay my way through college. God had to teach me a whole lot. I told somebody today I've forgotten where, whether it was at Riverside or, or at the training union or wherever it was, that when I surrendered to the will of God, it was in August, on August the 11th, 1948, 1949 rather, I was 19 years old. I had just turned 19 in June. And I walked down the aisle and I told the preacher I was giving my life totally to the Lord, whatever he wanted me to do, I'm surrendering to his service whatever it was. Now some people talk about being called to preach. I know now that looking back on it that God's call was to preach. At that time I didn't know what it was. I just said, Lord, here I am. I'll serve you. They had you stand in the line. I went down and stood in that line and while I was in the line, a young preacher named Ott Allen came by and he said, I'm glad you yielded to the will of God tonight. I want you to come up and preach in a church at Frankfurt for me next Sunday. Oh, I said, Brother Allen, I can't do that. I've never preached at all. I don't know. I'm scared to death. I couldn't do that. He went on. The Lord Jesus said to my heart, Richard, what did you just tell me? Didn't you say I'll serve anywhere? I'll do whatever you want me to do? I said, yes, Lord. He said, you need to take care of that. I got out of the line. <clears throat> went out in front of the church, found that preacher walking down the street in front of the church. I ran up to him and I said, Brother Allen, did you mean what you said to me? He said, you mean about preaching? I said, yes. He said, sure, I meant it. Well, I said, Brother Allen, I told you no, but I've come here to tell you I'll do it. But I'm scared to death and I don't know how. You pray for me and I'll be up there and do it. I went up there and preached that first sermon. I was 19. 
I preached on sanctification. God laid that on my heart. It scared me to death, but I did it. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying Sunday school teacher, usher, trend union person, deacon, whoever you are, whatever door opens, if you mean business with God, go through the door. Don't ever say no when God says go. Never, 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 never. I don't believe there's a place in the service of the king for those who are quitters. God doesn't want us to quit. He wants us to keep on keeping on, go on going on, and grow day by day by day. Well, this particular chapter talks about some of the qualifications for a deacon, and listen to what he says. In like manner must the deacon be grave, that means sincere, not double-tongued, not talking out of two sides of his mouth, saying one thing to one group and another thing to another group. That's a terrible thing. That's a terrible thing. Suppose Brother Richie comes to me and says, do you know, you know all this, all how honorary and mean Mickey Berkeley is and what a terrible person he is? I said, well, I know what you mean. And pretty soon Phil comes and says, do you know what a wonderful person Mickey Berkeley is? He goes this and that and the other. I said, yes, I know what you mean. What am I doing? I'm straddling a fence. I'm talking out of two sides of my mouth. When Richie comes and says, Mickey is a scoundrel, I'll say, Richie, I don't believe that. I like Mickey. I think he's a good man. I've never seen him go to Mexico and Texas and do all kinds of work and so on. Now, Richie would never tell me all that stuff, and I know that. But I'm just illustrating the fact that a deacon or a leader or a worker or a servant of God needs to speak out of one side of his mouth only. And not two sides. Not be two-faced. And nothing causes trouble in a church more than two-faced people. Where they say one thing to one people and something else to another. So this scripture says, not double-tongued. And then he says, <clears throat> not given to wine. Right on the alcohol question. This says much wine. In the days in which this was written, it is debatable whether he was talking about alcoholic beverages or grape juice. Whichever it was, he said, you're not to be excessive in it. Now, in our day, the question is not the same. In our day, there are millions of alcoholics, alcoholic men, alcoholic women. There are people that call themselves Christians in the church that drink their liquor and drink their wine. God's leaders need to be right on this question. It should never touch the mouth of a servant of God, the awful enemy of liquor. It is everybody's enemy. It is not a friend to anybody. If you think it is, there's something wrong with you. It is an enemy. It's number one enemy in America. Well, right on that question. Holding, and, and he says, not guilt, greedy of filthy lucre. That is, he's not trying to constantly make a lot of more money just for money's sake. Well, I tell you, that's a big problem too. We live in a time when people need money. E pluribus unum, money, 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 but I know some people that do that all the time. One of our young men years ago came to me and he said, I'm getting a promotion. I'm gonna move out of town to another place and I'll be director of the whole group. He was an insurance man. I prayed about it with him. I said, I don't think you ought to move. I don't think you ought to accept that promotion. I don't believe everybody, every promotion is something you need to accept. Oh, he said, preacher, you're just being fanatical. You just don't want me to leave. I said, no, I don't want you to leave. I appreciate what you're doing here, but 
There's something deeper than that. I see a red flag waving. Well, he took the promotion, moved out of town. <clears throat> After a while, he went back to his old life. That guy had given our, his testimony on, on our daybreak television station. He had given his testimony at Camp Joy. He had given his testimony in this pulpit. He went back and went down there. He started nipping at the bottle like he used to. After a while, he cast his eyes around, found somebody a little bit fairer than his wife, and started being unfaithful. He lost his family. He lost his influence. He lost his testimony. He lost everything. About two or three years later, he came by Bowling Green. He said, Preacher, I should, never, I should have listened to you. I should never have accepted that promotion. I want to tell you, some people are so apt at making money. They've got to make it one way or another. And Jesus said, the one that's going to be a leader can't be after filthy lucre all the time. There are some things that are higher in priority. And then he said, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. There are a lot of things we don't understand about the Lord's work. There are a lot of things about doctrine we don't understand. Can anybody here describe the virgin birth of Christ, how that happened? Can anybody here tell us how Jesus got up and got out of that grave? He was really dead and then he was living again. Can anybody tell us how Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb? He'd been dead four days and his sister said, by now he stinketh. How'd that happen? I don't know. I just believe it. How do we know Jesus is going to come the second time? Because the Bible says so. How do we know we're saved by grace through faith? Because the Bible says so. There are people who want to add to that and say, well, you're not just saved by grace through faith. You're saved by doing this and this and this. You've got to be baptized. You've got to go to church. You've got to take communion. You've got to do this and this and this. And God says, that's a lie. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So we need to hold the mystery of faith in a pure conscience. I don't understand about creation, but I sure don't like the alternative evolution. I don't believe that a bit. Can you imagine thinking you came from the sea? I didn't understand those headlines in the paper the other day that said JFK Jr. went back to where he came from, to the sea. I don't know whether they were speaking of his death in the, in the plane. That was a terrible tragedy to all of us. Or whether they were implying that those three people came from seaweeds. I don't know what they meant. But I don't believe we came from seaweeds. I believe God created man in his own image. And then we hold the mystery of our faith and pure conscience. Then it says in verse 11, even so must their partner, that is their wife or their husband, be grave, not slanderers, sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let the deacon be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. That's God's plan. Not just for deacons, but for all of us. One man for one woman for life. Now I realize that we speak to people that have had failures there. God doesn't throw us out. God doesn't cast us out, doesn't have castaways. He just says there's some things I can use you for and some things I can't. One of the men in our church had a divorce problem and he came to me one day, he said, preacher, I can never be a deacon, can't be an ordained preacher, but I can be a soul winner. See, you can serve the Lord in whatever situation you're in. Go on, going on, Christian. Go on, going on. And then he says, 
For they that have used the office of a deacon well, or they that have used the office of Sunday school teacher well, they that have used the office of a choir well, they that have used the office of the pianist or the organist, they that have used the office of a staff member, they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchase to themselves good degree. That is a great boldness, a great standing in the work of the Lord and great boldness in the faith. Now there are degrees in heaven, just as there are degrees in hell. There are degrees in heaven. Now, we don't call them degrees. We call them rewards or, or crowns at homecoming. And young men, and I'm approaching our deacons, none of you are so old. Lee's the, had been here the most years, but he's not old. He's a young man. And I want to tell you, men, work for those crowns. You don't work for your salvation, but there's nothing wrong with working for a crown. That's the reason I have no problem with giving rewards. We're going to give this to the person who signs up the most people. That's not bribery. That's a reward. That's a crown. And Jesus is going to do the same thing. When you get to heaven, Paul said, what is our joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord? It's like the Lord's going to come and we're going to be in heaven. And Paul's going to say, look, Lord, here are all these people from Ephesus. And here are those from Corinth. And here are all these from Rome and so on. I present them to you. They are his crown of rejoicing. These bus pastors that go out day and night in all kinds of weather. One day present to the Lord, here's little Jimmy and here's... Here's uh, Mary, and here's this person, that person. Lord, I went out and combed the woods and brought them, and they got saved, and they're here in heaven, and I give them to you. What is going to be your joy in heaven? Are not they? When we get to heaven, church, listen, you're going to see some people that are over there because of you. Because of you. The reason they're there is because you touched them with your prayer life, with your giving life. You touched them with your concern and your influence. And they'll be over in glory and they say, Dear Lord, thank you for Glendale Baptist Church. I'm so grateful for our people and the way they have, through the years, loved young people. Listen, if there's ever been a church that loved young people, Glendale has done it. We love young people. Now, we believe in standards. Wouldn't it be terrible if you grew up in a home and the mother and daddy say, I love you, just do whatever you want to do. If you want to stay out till three o'clock in the morning, stay out. If you want to come home with alcohol in your breath, that's okay, we understand you're just a kid, just a young person. You want to get on drugs, that's fine, you just go right ahead and do it. Do whatever you want to do. You'd be most unfortunate to grow up in a home like that. And I want to tell you, you'd be most unfortunate to grow up in a church that says abortion is okay, premarital sex is okay, and all those sins are okay. They're not. They're wicked. They're wrong. And we need to take the stand. And I want to thank God for Glendale Baptist Church that through the years has taken stands on those issues. And who has taken a strong stand that we're saved by grace through faith, nothing added, nothing subtracted, and God isn't going to kick you out when you sin after you're saved. There are some people who believe that you're saved for a little while. And the moment you sin, God kicks you out. You have to get saved all over again. That would mean Jesus would have to die on a cross again and again and again and again and again. I want to tell you we're saved forever. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, not because you live a good life, 
not because you turn over a new leaf, not because you got baptized the right way or joined the right church. You're saved by grace through faith. And Glendale Church has taught that and believed that and practiced it. And deacons, you need to see to it that the church continues like that, that we keep on keeping on. There's a faith in that meeting. They baptized two of them. When the meeting was over, they were all gone. They came for the rock concert. Ladies and gentlemen, that isn't God's plan. And deacons hold the church close to the heart of God and close to the standards of the Word of God. They that have used the office well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now, let me say this one word before I close. God does not want any of us to quit. There may come times when we have to change types of service and uh, do something else. I admire Dr. Clyde Gordon so much. He preached, he's been preaching for 69 years. Most of those years he was a pastor. When he could no longer be a pastor, do you know what he did when he came here to Glendale? He visited with us every Thursday. Every Thursday. Every time he could, he'd preach. He never quit. Now he's in the nursing home and he told a man in the next bed this morning early, man is dying of cancer. He's uh, suffering and crying some. Brother Gordon said, I wish I could get up and come over and help you. He said, I can't get out of bed. But he said, I can pray for you. And he prayed for him. You don't ever quit. You just keep on keeping on. Go on going on, Christian. Go on going on. I don't believe it's God's will for a Sunday school teacher to quit. I don't believe it's God's will for a deacon to quit. Just say, I'm not going to serve anymore. I don't believe a preacher ought to quit. We just ought to go on going on. Choir people, why would you quit? I don't understand why people that have beautiful voices don't want to go to choir practice. Learn how to sing. Learn some songs. And uh, practice with one of our pianists and so on, so on during the week. And be ready. Prepare yourself to do what God wants you to do. Every one of us, they that have used the office well, purchase to themselves a good degree. Whether it's a deacon or a Sunday school worker or a preacher or whatever it is, I dare us, all of us, to go on going on. And accept that promise. They that have used the office well purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness which is in the faith. I spent quite a few years working with young people. I love young people. Our church loves young people. I felt like it was not wise if a young man is called to preach if we didn't hear him preach. I had a man tell me one time, he's in heaven now and I love him. He said, we ought not to have any of those boy preachers preaching up there. I said, well, brother, I love you, but as long as I'm here, if a man gets called to preach, we're gonna hear him preach. Another time in a deacon's meeting, one deacon got up and said, I wanna say the pastor's spending entirely too much time with young people. Lee, you may remember that. And I just stood, stood and said, sir, I'll have to pledge my ministry. If that's what this church thinks and that's what the deacons think, then they'll have to get another pastor. Because I believe 
We ought to invest in young people that have been called by the Lord. That young, that man, that man got upset because his son was called to preach. And he said, preacher, you called him to preach. He's not called to preach. You called him to preach. <laughs> he's pastor one of the great churches of America right now. And his dad's in heaven, but he's proud of him. And I want to tell you, God has unusually blessed this church by stepping in and calling somebody here and somebody here and somebody here and somebody here. Did you know that some of our deacons have been called to preach? Bill, Bill Vaught was a, was a deacon in our church. Chris was a deacon in our church. Um, brother uh, brother uh, uh, Lonnie was a deacon in our church. Brother Ed Snyder was a deacon in our church. God has touched men here and there and called them into the Lord's work. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Thank the Lord for that. Now, they that have used that office of a deacon well, whether it's deacon or whatever, purchase to themselves a good degree. Great boldness in the faith here and a good degree in heaven. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for this passage, the promise of God, that they that use the office, spiritual office, that God assigns us, we use it well. We purchase to ourselves a good degree and great boldness, which is in the faith of Christ Jesus. God bless this church. Bless our deacons. Thank you for them. We respect them and love them and honor them. Now, while we remain in prayer, I want to ask our deacons to come and just kneel here at the front in a, in a posture of humility offering themselves to the Lord. Church, these are your deacons. These are men that you have called to serve in this place of responsibility. Would you just now pray for God's hand on each one? You join me in this prayer. Our Father, we stand in awe tonight as we behold the men that this church has set aside for the diaconate and they're here humbling themselves before God and in symbolic form are saying, Lord, our whole church humbles ourselves before you and we ask you to use us to ignite a fire in our hearts that you would take cynicism and criticism away and negativism and give us a spirit of joy and a spirit of glory and a spirit of concern and love for each other and for the church and for lost souls and for those out on mission fields. God grant that. We thank you for each one of these men. Bless their wives and their children and all that are dear to them. May God's hand be upon us all. We pray in Jesus' name. Now let's all stand to our feet, please. Thank you, usher. Thank you, deacons, for your position of kneeling. We're going to sing a hymn. What is it? 385. I can hear the Savior calling, take thy cross and follow me. It wouldn't be right to have a service like this without a, a gospel invitation. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you've never given your heart to Christ, why not tonight? Why not just come and say, I want to give my heart to the Lord. I love him. I want to trust him. I've been uh, thinking about it a long time and I need to do something about it. You may be here and you've been saved, but you've not been baptized. 
you're disobedient to the heavenly vision. God called every person that gets saved to be baptized as a symbol of our faith in Christ. You need to come and say that and do that. And there's somebody here that God may be calling into his service. Would you yield yourself to him? Would you say, here am I, Lord, use me, send me. I want my life to be used by God. While we sing, I can hear the Savior calling, would you come tonight?